Deadhead Cannabis Show. I'm here with my partner, Larry Mishkin. Jim Marty from Bridge West. Always a pleasure to be here and have a chance to talk and especially to be back in the barn here in Longmont. It's a fun place to be, whether you're taping a show or not. So when I'm out in the Denver area, I like to pop by, say hi to Jim, reminisce about some stuff and tape a couple of episodes. In that regard, special shout out to Halston Puchik from the Hoban Law Group, who is helping us today with the video end. And as always, a shout out to Dan Humiston, the show producer, and today Dan gets the extra special award. He just had some surgery earlier this week, and the trooper that he is, he pulled himself out of the hospital and home in time to allow us to do this taping while, we're out, while I'm out here, so we appreciate that. Hope you feel better, Dan. Well, very good. So, uh, yes, a lot of uh, cannabis things in the news this week. More reported illnesses from vape pens. Yeah, you know, Jim, this, this vaping crisis is turning out to be a problem First and foremost, of course, it's a problem for the individuals who wound up using these bad pens because obviously the illnesses that, that they have are real. That has to be our first thought is that people went out and in an effort to vape whatever product it was that they chose, uh, they got ill. And as we talked about last time, this is a real problem and the industry, we believe, has certain duties to stand up and do something about it. However, the real question really is, uh, can we get to the bottom of what's really causing this? And I know you had some thoughts on that. Yes, well, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. So far, there's been very few that have been traced back to legal marijuana businesses, although I believe that may have happened. And we'll see. The industry needs standards. That's what's clear about this. They can't just introduce all these products. And I'm not just talking about cannabis, but hemp products as well. We have whole rows of a CBS store with hemp products. I've never seen such a rush to market without standards for things put, people are putting in their bodies. So, yes, yeah, a shame if it truly is related to the vape pens where these folks are getting sick. But let's, you know, like Larry said, get to the bottom of it. And again, somebody told me this week, standards work, prohibition doesn't. Well, I think that's true. You know, last time we talked about the fact that there was some vitamin E acetate that was being used by the individuals who manufactured these products to help cut the oil and therefore increase the vaporization efficiency of the product. And so that was one problem. Recently, I was able to attend some meetings with some of my colleagues, in fact, all of my colleagues at the Hogan Law Group just recently. And this was a hot topic of conversation because we all represent groups out there that are in the vaping industry, both on the CBD side and on the marijuana side. And some of the information that was shared actually took us a step beyond the vitamin E acetate and suggested that some of these pens are made with inferior products. And so there could, in fact, be some leaching of the interior metals that are used to hold the, the oils as they get to a certain temperature and that that could be contributing to it, too. The part that upsets me, Jim, is that we have some of these answers at least being thrown out there, and yet there's this terrible rush to immediately tie it to cannabis, really to THC. And uh, you and I were talking before we started today that there's probably lots of people out there, uh, individuals and different types of businesses uh, that would be just as happy to see THC uh, not be such a success. I don't think it's important or appropriate at this point 
to speculate on who those types of people might be uh, or uh, other industries or businesses. Um, but nonetheless, I suspect that there's a big pressure to try and find something bad with THC. And by God, you know, this just happens to be vaping with some of the THC, some of the tobacco. What are your thoughts on that? Sure. There's still plenty of people in Colorado who think passing Amendment 64 was a mistake. That was for adult use, 2014. But the vape pen thing, for better or worse, it cuts across so many different types of products. I would say THC-based vape pens is likely not the majority if you factor in CBD-based vape pens plus tobacco-based vape pens. THC is maybe a third of the total market if you just divide it by those three segments. Well, and what's interesting is I think that one of the well, both of the uh, factors that we just got done talking about, the vitamin E acetate, as well as the inferior metal products, could equally apply to any type of vaping product that you have. It doesn't just have to be THC. And so the real question is, and this is going to lead in more to standards later on, but how is it that we allow certain products to reach the market? And I think that what we're going to find, unfortunately, is that there's still a thriving black market for products like this. People can get them cheaply. I, I believe there were these two brothers in Wisconsin who were just recently arrested, and the police who arrested them were amazed at the size of the operation that they had going in their basement in terms of creating vape products that we know have no safety standards, and that may very well be where this is coming from. Yes, I heard a very interesting statistic earlier this year that cigarette smoking among high schoolers is way down, like from 15 to 5% or something. The percentages of people in high school vaping is way up. Well, I think that that's probably true too, both from a discretion point of view and ease of access. And, and there's no question that those products become very popular. But now, as some of these answers start to come out, I think that it is fair game to start looking at what is driving the news media, and not just the news media, but so many governments, state and local, to immediately condemn every single form of vaping without really taking the time to look into this. And, and, and that's important for two reasons. Obviously, from our perspective, it's important because we represent businesses and individuals who are legally and involved in this industry mm -hmm. and are making products according to their standards. And this is bad for them. But number two, and certainly far more important, is that if we don't come to the conclusion, we as a society and really law enforcement, as to who is the source of these counterfeit products that are causing health problems, it's going to continue. And there has to be controls. Part of it's the industry's responsibility, but part of it is communities and states and law enforcement. Right. And the point I was going to make is these are products that millions of people like, and even with the most recent illnesses, if they are related, it still pales in comparison to the people who have disease and pass away from cigarettes. So these products still are way safer than cigarettes. But again, it has to get, as you say, we have to get to the bottom of it, no rush to judgment. Uh, yeah, I would encourage government officials not to rush to judgment because again, these are products that millions of people enjoy and they're not going to be too ready to give them up quite yet. Now, we'll see how it all pans out. But uh, yeah, go slow, see what's going on. But still, at some point, there should be some standards and regulations. And who's to say, which, where should that come from? Is it going to be the FDA? Well, the, F, the federal government's checked out, which brings me to a point about Congress I'd like to make. Okay, go right ahead. That, um, well, I, think my I believe 
the safe banking bill uh, will, should reach the floor of the House either this week or next week. Yep, the safe banking bill. I'm a, yep. yep. And it's one of those bills that requires a three-quarters majority to pass, which is about 275 votes, I think, and they have over 300 supporting the bill. So if it gets to the floor, we should have safe banking, which is huge. Because it's really, it's a, that's a public safety issue, among others. Not being able to deposit your cash, driving down to Pueblo with you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in 20s. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is a problem. And I think if they could get that passed, that would be a wonderful step towards normalization for marijuana. I know it's been something that's been in Congress for a long, long time. It has bipartisan support, which to me is the most significant part of it, that it, it, it my God, the, the without passing judgment one way or the other, because that's not my job to do. It seems like, you know, the people in the House and in the Senate especially, you know, can't even come to an agreement of what day of the week it is. And yet here they are, both parties supporting this bill. And I think it speaks to the fact that cannabis is becoming more mainstream and that regardless of what state you come from and regardless of what your a political ideology or affiliation is, people that like to smoke marijuana like to smoke marijuana. And uh, that's recognized everywhere. And the profits and the financial benefits and the benefits to society that come from having a legal market benefit all states. Sure. So it's, it's wonderful to see that they're doing that with the SAFE Act and that they're bringing it forward. It will be a real step forward for the industry, as you say, because you can get banks to take the cash finally. Of course, the next big step is to take everything off of the schedules, and then we don't have to worry about the banking issues at all. But I think as we've discovered in this industry, it's baby steps. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see when the federal government gets on board with this. But, you know, for now, in many ways, the marijuana industry is thriving. The stores are busy. Prices have stabilized. They've even ticked up a little bit in Colorado where we have unlimited licenses for cultivation. So we, too, suffer from time to time with overproduction. But it's been interesting that there has not been overproduction this summer. Now, we're a few weeks away from the outdoor crop, and that usually hits around Thanksgiving. So we'll see. But right now, um, it's been nice to see a little uptick from $800 a pound a year ago to wholesale top shelf is 2000 a pound in Colorado again for the first time in a long time. Well, I think that's great. It's wonderful to see in a state like Colorado that obviously now has the benefit of, what, almost five or six years you know, to have really put together an infrastructure. Sure. And like any other you know, place, it's going to take a while. But I think that Colorado is a success story for anyone, no matter how you look at it, in terms of how they went from, you know, really being a Wild West cannabis state to one that's really come around to having, you know, a, a, a pretty well-regulated program, certainly, a, you know, good supply of, you know, adult use dispensaries available in the state. And they're, you know, they're being very, very progressive with everything. And I, I think this kind of speaks to my final point that I want to make about the vaping. We made it last week, and I think it's just as important to make it now. As the industry comes along and as it really grows, again, the leaders of the industry, and, and I'm not pointing fingers at anyone, I'm talking about anyone associated in the industry, you and I, and, and anyone who cares about what goes on, it has to be imperative that we, we don't sit silent and just accept uh, whatever answers we can get for these vape pen situations. Uh, if we truly believe that the cause is a non-THC-related cause, we need to be out in the forefront. Companies need to be out there demonstrating, and they need to be demonstrating the safety of their pens because they're going to run the risk. In Illinois, even, they've been talking about outlawing all vape products. And, you know, that, that would be such a terrible blow for the industry, quite frankly, in this instance, one that it doesn't deserve. 
Yeah, I agree with you. It has to be isolated to the pens because we know that THC by itself is not toxic in any way. And we also know that people have been vaping THC for 10 years and we haven't seen this type of a problem. So given the fact that it's all happened in a relatively short period of time, I think, you know, I would like to believe the logical conclusion is, as we've heard, that there's a problem with the vitamin E acetate or there's a problem, you know, with the black market. And, and maybe there's no way to control that black market other than by having a fully robust legal market that can actually price itself in a way that could put the black market out of business. I, I don't know if that's something that we're going to see anytime soon. Well, the black market is all but gone, really, in Colorado within the state. The issues, as our friends in the in law enforcement will tell us, is you know people export out of the states with legal cannabis to the states where it's not legal. Right. And uh, that's an issue for, in my opinion, the other states to kind of get on board with this and normalize your own cannabis laws, and then that won't be an issue. Yeah, you know what, I, I think that there's a lot to be said for that, and yes, it's true. It's gonna take baby steps in this industry. There's a lot of good ideas out there, and people are all moving in the right direction. However, something like this vaping crisis, we're an industry that's always on the lookout for positive news. We're gonna get negative news, and we did in this instance, and if we're gonna get negative news, we have to be prepared to respond to it, and we have to be prepared to step forward and to demonstrate to society why either A, if this is our problem, we're on top of it and we're gonna take care of it. If it's not our problem, that's fine. We want everyone to know, but we're still gonna try and take care of it because we're gonna make sure now that our, our manufacturers and our producers of these products are not using vitamin E acetate, are using steel that measures out and, and tests out at the appropriate strengths and the way it should be manufactured for these types of products. No, and, and that's how we drive it. I agree. To be continued, we will definitely be on top of this over our next few shows. Close up with a little talk about music. Yeah. So last week, Jim, I think it was last week, we were talking about, you know, what do jam band fans do in the summer? The summer's over and all the, you know, and, and we reach dicks every year and off we go. And before we go any further, I, I just have to make a mention of this really quickly. I know you have some boys, I have some boys. Uh, interestingly enough, although all of our boys share a lot of our interests, none of them have ever really been all that interested in taking the time to come be part of our show. And, and I understand that as well. Um, I, I do just have to shout this out though to my oldest son who recently got engaged to a lovely woman from Atlanta. Very excited about that. However, their wedding is gonna be next year over Labor Day weekend. This year, another one of the, the guys in my son's crew was married on Labor Day weekend. So all these guys who might otherwise be at Dick's every year are now getting married. So it just goes to show you don't ever know and you have to pick those weekends when you can. So well, congratulations great. to my son and his fiance. Sorry to all those people who wanna make it to Dick's. But now uh, Dick's is over. So what do people do? Well, you know, there's this little thing that I've kind of forgotten about because my life and schedule just doesn't allow for it anymore. That's called fall tour. And, you know, back in the day, fall tour was a lot of fun. And, you know, you'd get up to the East Coast and the Northeast before winter really set in. And, you know, if you were adventurous enough, you could drive around and see all the pretty leaves on your way from one show to another, mm -hmm. sometimes down in the Southeast part of the state. Do you ever uh, have an opportunity to go on fall tour with one of the bands? Not on tour, but I got to see plenty of shows at that time of the year because they you know, come around New England and then later in my life, uh, Colorado. Um, had a lot of really good shows in Denver, uh, in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, like 90, 91, 92, 93. So that was a 
Plus, it was an interesting time because that was when Brett Midland passed away, and right. uh, and they brought in both um, the fellow from the Tubes, oh, like, Vince Welnick, yeah, Vince Welnick, as well as Bruce Hornsby, as well as Bruce Hornsby, yep, so, yeah, and so that's that's great stuff too. In fact, I was watching a video on YouTube the other day of that that conglomeration of members of the band playing. Not long after uh, Vince and, and and Bruce started playing with the band, and it was really a lot of fun. Uh, you know, Vince was definitely in his infancy in terms of playing with the band, but he he fit right in, and, and he seemed to be keeping up with everything. And Hornsby, who had played with them before, was just off on the side having a ball. And Garcia was really loving it, you know, mm -hmm. really, you know. And I thought it had to be a tough time for them with Brent gone, you know. But they really stepped in big time. What I love about Fall Tour these days, uh, especially with Den and Company, is uh, you know because it's Den and Company. Uh, instead of the Grateful Dead, you know, they now again have the ability to go and play a lot of the venues that you always like to see the dead in, but just sometimes got too small for them. So Dead and Company's going to be playing at Madison Square Garden. They're going to pop up to Uniondale on Long Island, which for people who don't know, if you've ever uh, got the, the live Grateful Dead album without a net, which is really one of the last live albums they put out that was just a conglomeration of songs rather than an actual concert although put in the order that they might be played if it was a concert um uh they have in there probably in my opinion the greatest version of eyes of the world ever played with branford marcellus yeah uh, that's, that's uh, very and, famous. if you've never heard it you got to go listen to it uh it, it's and just, i think aren't dead and company playing the nassau policy in this they, they are indeed so it'll be msg nassau and then going to you know maybe one of my top three favorite places ever to see the grateful dead that's hampton coliseum hmm. so they'll be doing those shows while that's going on, Fish has you know Trey playing all over the place. The Mike Gordon band is playing all over the base place. But Fish is uh, they're rec recreating a little part of history. They're going to go on a four city tour, and I believe that they're starting in Providence, and then they're going to Uniondale. And you know for for uh, Fish heads who are certainly old enough to remember, that has to bring back shades of. I want to say 1998 and what they called the Island Tour, which was a series of four shows played in Uniondale on Long Island and then Providence on Rhode Island. Um, I will admit that that was actually before I started going to see Fish shows, but I bought that box set and it's one of my favorite sets of uh, shows uh, that I've you know that I've heard Fish play. So they're they're going back to their roots with that. Um, and then they, they're gonna, um, are they playing Las Vegas for Halloween again. I have not seen that. I know they're going to Pittsburgh. And I know that they're also going to play three shows down in Charleston, North Carolina. But I, I, I'm just not sure. I haven't seen anything yet about Halloween, although okay. it would be fun to see if they come up with more good stuff. Mm -hmm. So at any rate, um, that is quite a bit for this show. Um, but maybe that's what happens when we're in the barn. We get a little inspired and, you know, it all starts flowing. Well, so. that and it's an absolute drop-dead gorgeous day here in Colorado. Just a blue sky and the leaves are just starting to turn. We're about... 80 degrees, just perfect. It is gorgeous. You know, I heard it's raining back in Chicago, and I'll be heading back there later. But in the meantime, it's great to be here. Uh, as always, yep. Jim, a real pleasure. Yep. Over and out from the Deadhead Cannabis Show. From the barn. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to today's show. 
To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canna podcasters right here on PodConnex and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.